Welcome, Comforted Home listeners. This is the Barking Truth, presented to you by Comfort at Home Pet Services. This podcast will reveal the barking truth about what is actually happening in the pet industry so that you can gain knowledge and education to keep our pets safe, healthy, and well. I will be your host, Jennifer Seibel, Certified Professional Pet Sitter, Dog Bite Prevention Educator, Fear Free Certified, Pet First Aid and CPR Trained, and owner of Comfort at Home Pet Services. I hope you enjoy. Welcome. In this episode, I want to talk about kenneling your pet compared to using a pet sitter. So let's talk about what kenneling means. A lot of people think that that's just taking our pets to a facility to be taken care of. Where that is true, it kind of expands on everything. A kennel is considered anybody who is taking care of your pet outside of your pet's regular home environment. That is considered a kenneling environment. So if a friend of yours says that they can take care of your pet at their home, that's considered a kenneling environment. There are laws in Pennsylvania with kenneling. So if your friend expects compensation or they charge you compensation, that is considered to have a kenneling license. They need to go through the government and the state to go through and have a kenneling license to be able to provide services. So when we're talking about kennels, kennels also need to have insurance. So I know there's a lot of apps out here that a lot of people say, oh, I'll take in your pets, I can watch them in my house. Friendly neighbors on social media will offer to take care of your pets at their home. If they're expecting compensation, they have to have a proper kennel license and insurance to prove to you and to prove that they have a proper environment where your pet cannot escape, where they have um, fresh water, they have heat and air, they have a suitable place that is not dangerous for them to stay. If it's a family member, they're taking in your pet, they're not charging you for it, that is considered okay. But anybody charging compensation for caring for your pet outside of the pet's original home is considered a kenneling situation. Sometimes I have people come to me and they say, oh, well, I don't have kennels, so it's not considered a kennel. It's not considered a kenneling situation. Well, just because you don't actually have kennels or you might not use crates does not mean you do not have an environment for a kennel. If you are accepting compensation, you need to be a voice for your pet and make sure that this person is a reliable person, that they have been checked by the state for the bare minimum for our pets to be safe in their home, and make sure that they are insured. That if something happens to your pet on their property, that your pet will get proper care and that they will handle the situation. So let's kind of talk about why you would want kenneling versus pet setting. A lot of times you might have a young puppy, you want to get it socialized. Taking it to a kennel and a daycare sometimes is very good. Um, other times maybe your pet just stresses too much at home, being alone, you think it's better for it to be around other animals, that could be a situation that you might want to use a kennel. When we're talking about kennels, we're talking about the barking truth about kennels. 
a lot of the time because they are regulated by the state and they want to keep their kenneling license to have as many people in as possible to make a huge profit. I've worked at many of them. Before I purchased Comfort at Home Pet Services, I've worked at many of these kennels. I'll tell you the first thing I learned and the only thing I've learned at these kennels is A, what not to do, B, how to clean the kennel. Because if you do not have a clean kennel environment, you can have your kenneling license revoked or put on pause. So what does that mean to us as pet parents? That means that are our pets getting proper supervision when they're in a kenneling environment? Do the employees at that kenneling environment know how to handle situations with your pet? Number one, did they know canine body language? Do they know how to deal with situations and what your pet is actually telling them? Do they understand how to break up a dog fight in case something like that happens at the facility? Do they know first aid and CPR in case your pet has a medical emergency? Do they know how to deal with that? Does the kennel actually work with a veterinary office or a veterinarian that is available 24 hours a day that if there is an incident? Next, is their facility clean? Do they have staff there 24 hours a day? I know a lot of the kenneling situations around this area, they they leave by, you know, 9 o'clock at night, possibly. They possibly leave a lot earlier than that. I know a few around here that all employees are gone by 6 o'clock in the, in the evening. So there's nobody in that building but a bunch of animals. And you need to kind of think, is this environment good for your pet? A lot of people think that that's a great place to socialize your pet because it's younger, it's going to be around other animals, that's a good thing. If they're mixed in with older animals, those older animals can sense fear. They can sense that your puppy, your younger animal is hesitant about things and they'll end up bullying them. It's just like our children in school. Dogs can bully other dogs. Your pet could get ganged up on. You need to read your dog's body language and know what's kind of going on with your pet, especially when you're taking them or picking them up. I've had people tell me like, oh my gosh, my dog loved going to the kennel. Then all of a sudden, I'm trying to get him out of the car to go into the kennel. And my dog's like not trying to get out of the car. It's growling at me. It's, it's fussing. It's trying to get back to the car. That should tell you something, and it should tell you that your pet is not comfortable in that environment. A lot of kennels end up putting the pets into different groups, small dogs, big dogs. But do they really understand how to test the dogs to see that all the dogs are going to get along? Is there somebody out there who knows about behavior, knows about canine body language to prevent an incident from happening? These are all kind of things you need to think about. And when you're not around, sometimes the kenneling environment might not be the best environment for your pet because there could be other pets there that are stressed, upset. They're barking, they're whining, um, their body language is going to stress out your pet. A lot of the times when I was working in the kennel, I would notice that a lot of dogs refused to eat. That's because they were over their threshold. They were stressed. Then they're not eating. That's causing medical issues. And a lot of times, homeowners or pet owners are coming home and they're having to take their pets to the vet. And it's costing them more money to get their pet cared for after the fact because they were put into a kenneling situation. There's also things that you need to think about with elderly pets. Are they suitable for a kenneling environment with 
other dogs, other stressors. And think about it, you have several personnel coming in and dealing with your pet. It's not always the same person. Are they up to date on the medications that your pet might be taking? Do they know how to give it properly? Do they know the damages it can cause if they don't? Do they understand if it's supposed to be given with food? Do they understand the side effects of those medications that could harm your pet or notice the signs that, hey, I need to get this pet to a medical facility. So these are just some things you need to think about when you're thinking about a kenneling environment for your pet. So kennels can be good for some animals. Some animals, it's absolutely not. And this all has to go through what you feel is right and the best place for your pet. I know some kennels who they put the dogs into, you know, just their kenneling area. There's no bedding. There's no nothing because there's no toys allowed. Because what if the dogs end up fighting over a toy? Um, what if they have an accident in their kennel? Now the staff's having to wash blankets, wash bedding, wash toys. That's more work on them that they honestly don't want to do. So a lot of times when some of these kennels say, bring from your items from your home, bring this. I'm going to be honest, they might not be giving it to your pets to use because it could cause more work and more problems for them in the long run. Not knowing about animal behavior when you're putting a bunch of animals together can be a very dangerous situation. And do you have enough people out in the area with the animals that can help if there is an incident, if a dog fight does break out, where are all the employees? Do they know the protocol? Do they know what to do? Do they know how to break up a fight? Do they know how to prevent a fight from happening? So these are just kind of things you need to think about if this is going to be a good environment for your pet, and especially if you're going on vacation, this is a long-term thing. So some people come to me and say, oh my gosh, Jen, you know, we want a pet sitter. We think our pet's going to be more comfortable at home, but oh my gosh, you're so much more expensive. I can kennel my dog for X amount per day, but it's going to cost me, you know, X plus to be having you come to my home and do it. And sometimes that's a little turn off to people. And I, I completely understand it with the world that we're living in, you know, every dollar counts and sometimes, you know, it doesn't fit into everybody's budget. But what you have to think about when people look at pet sitters and they see pet sitters could cost a little bit more, you need to kind of think about things that what is actually happening here. With a pet sitter, if you get an actual insured bonded professional pet sitter, they're paying on themselves for insurance. They're paying for their bond. They're using their vehicle, which is putting wear and tear on their vehicle. They're spending gas money. They're coming to your house several times a day. Your house is also being monitored. Your mail is being brought in. Plants are being watered. They're checking things around the house to make sure your house isn't looking abandoned to be robbed and your house is safe. Your pet's in an environment where it's, it's okay and it's around your smells and it's just more comfortable. And if you hire a professional they should be doing what their job is, and their job should be taking care of your animal. Sometimes I have people say, you know, I have a puppy. It needs a lot of care. It needs a lot of running around. I can do extra visits, and if I'm doing my job properly, I'm wearing that dog out where it's sleeping, clear up until the time I return back to the house to check on it again. 
a lot of people come to me and say, well, my pet, you know, goes to the bathroom in the house. They use pee pads and we only want, you know, one visit a day. We want two visits a day. Any professional will talk to you about having your pet make messes in the house is not always a great option. It's always best to give the dog an opportunity to go outside to eliminate so that they're not getting urinary tract infections. They're not having medical issues. This also gives a pet sitter the chance to come in and check your pet frequently to make sure that they're not stressing out. And if they are, your pet sitter should know what to do to help prevent that stress that is happening with that pet and make them more comfortable. Plus, again, they're taking care of your home. They're using gas. They're taking time away from their personal families, their own personal pets, to care for yours. So, yeah, that time in doing that does take a little bit more, and it can cost a little bit more. Whereas when you just go to a kennel, sometimes all the pets are lumped in together. The same person's getting the same amount for taking care of, you know, 20 pets. That employee is getting, you know, paid to take care of 20 pets compared to just taking care of one. They're getting the same amount of income coming in. But are they really trained enough to know what they're supposed to do and how to handle situations? A lot of times people will come to me and say, you know, the kenneling situation and their requirements that need to be done when you're kenneling your animal. Your animal has to be up to date on their vaccinations. That is parvo, that is distemper, that is rabies. Those are the three main vaccinations any pet needs to have. Rabies is the only one required by law, but parvo and distemper are very dangerous diseases that your pet needs to be vaccinated against. Whoever is kenneling your pet and taking care of them needs to have records of this. Just in case there is an illness that breaks out, it can be traced back. But when we're dealing with the kennel situation, they also require other things such as Bordetella. Bordetella is the most common when you're kenneling your pet, and that is considered the canine cold, the flu. Look at ourselves. We get the flu vaccination, and it only takes care of a small portion of the strains of the flu that are out there. And that still means we can, we can get the flu. We can still get the flu. We just might not get it as severe. And let's talk about today when we're dealing with coronavirus. We now have a vaccine that's come out. People are, you know, on board. Everybody's going to get the vaccine. All the vaccine is doing is you can still get COVID. You can still spread COVID, but you might not get it as bad because you've been vaccinated. The same goes with the Bordetella that we're giving to our animals. And if you have a kennel that is doing things properly, the kennel should not allow your pet to be in there for 10 days. Uh, for up to 10 days, they're not allowed to be kenneled with up to 10 days after having the vaccination. So after, having, after getting the vaccination, they have to wait 10 days before going into a kenneling situation. Everybody kind of asks, why is that? Oh my gosh, I didn't realize I have to go out of town. My pet's not up to date on their Bordetella. I went and got the vaccination and now the kennel won't take them. We have to wait a while longer. Okay, the reason for that is they can shed that vaccination and spread that vaccination to the other pets, causing the Bordetella to go through the entire kennel situation. So you kind of have to think about that. And I've had plenty clients come back to me that 
they got the Bordetella, they went to the, you know, kenneling situation, and their pet came back with Bordetella. Well, just because you got the vaccine does not mean your pet didn't ha couldn't get it. It does not mean your pet couldn't have spread it either. And th this causes a lot of confusion and a lot of other things. And the question kind of remains is, why? Why do we have to have this type of vaccination that is not, A, required by law, not one of the core vaccinations, and we're pumping our animals full of more vaccinations, overworking their body, overworking their immune system, and dealing with side effects that they could have from having a vaccination. Why are we doing this when it's not going to completely get rid of it? Or our pets can still get it, or our pets can be damaged from having it. Why, why are we doing that, and who is saying that we have to have it? If you have a clean facility, all animals are healthy, they should be good to be around. I know if I'm around my friends and none of them are sneezing or coughing or they're showing cold and flu symptoms, I know I'm safe. I know I'm okay. So why, when we're putting a bunch of strange pets together, do we have to worry about something like the flu or the cold getting into them if they're all good and healthy? So let's go into the other part of that where a lot of kennels nowadays are requiring the influenza shot. You have to have an influenza shot. So not only do you have to have Bordetella, but they're also requiring an influenza, which is, you know, the canine flu again. So now you're double dosing your animal for something that is not covering every single strain which means your pet can have side effects from that vaccination, they can still get sick from it, and they can actually still spread it. But some of these kennels, Bordetella is one that, you know, the state kind of, you know, wants you to have, it's best for that facility. The influenza, I know a lot of kennels who are requiring it, but it is not literally required and not at every single kennel. It is not statewide, it is not nationwide needing to be done. So you kind of have to ask yourself, why is one kennel doing it but another is not requiring the influenza shot for my pet? Because now I have to go to the vet, I have to pay for the shot, I have to watch my pet for a while to make sure that they're not having any side effects. Why am I doing this if it's not going to help anything and why are they requiring it? Who is requiring it of them? A lot of the time what is happening out in the world is these kennels notice and the owners see that Okay, there is a new vaccination out here. Let's help protect ourselves more so that we don't have to pay out insurance claims because pets got sick in our facilities. We don't want to get a bad rep. Let's make, make pet owners do this to their animals. But is this really coming from a veterinary professional? Is this coming from somebody who's actually stating and showing studies and showing facts that this is something that needs to be done? No. Because if it was, it would be statewide, it would be every business doing it. It would be every kenneling situation doing it. So when we talk about, you know, vaccinations, I've, I've done another um, podcast about over-vaccinations. Every vaccination, every medication that we take as human beings has side effects that go with them. The same goes for our animals. Any vaccination they get has a side effect to it. Medications they get have side effects to it. I know I've mentioned before with my dog Jasmine, who, you know, God bless her, she passed away a few years ago, but she fought her butt off. She had a condition called IMHA, which was caused by over-vaccination. 
if you haven't listened to that podcast, please go back and listen to that podcast. You're going to find it very interesting. Um, but because her body was so immune compromised, because we kept giving her what our vet was recommending vaccinations for her to get, her body kind of shut down. So she was not allowed to get vaccinations. It would kill her. So when we're dealing with some of our older pets who have illnesses, have problems, on the label of the vaccinations, it says given to healthy pets only. But, oh my gosh, I want to board my pet. I'm going on vacation. I have to give him a vaccination. I have to have his meds ready, this and that. Are you causing your pet more damage? Are you causing them more damage? And does the kenneling situation understand what could possibly be happening because of this? So now you have somebody who's not in the medical profession telling you you need to do certain things to your animal and for your animal for you to get services from them. So that's another thing you need to take into consideration when you're thinking about a kenneling situation versus a pet sitting situation. As a pet sitter, I only deal with one family's dogs at a time. So I come into the house, I deal with your particular pets at that particular time. I'm not running around grabbing several different animals and exposing, you know, a lot of different families, a lot of different pets to each other. We're dealing with that family's household of pets. So to me, I know that I cannot spread certain diseases from a pet to a human I should know that. I'm a professional pet sitter, and I know which diseases can be spread from pet to pet through me. So something like, you know, kennel cough and the, you know, flu, I can spread that. I have precautions that if I know that an animal in that household is dealing with that, I have precautions so that I'm not spreading it to the next household. The same things that I'm doing with COVID. That if I know that I'm going to be running into one of my pet owners at their house, I'm taking extra precautions that I'm not spreading COVID to them and I'm not spreading it to another household that I'm walking into. So with dealing with a professional pet sitter, they are normally at the understanding that if you talk to them and say, hey, look, my pet is not eligible for a kenneling situation because it cannot have a Bordetella shot. It cannot have the influenza. Um, by chance, my pet is severely sick, and I don't trust that they're going to give the medications properly. My pet is severely sick. It is not able to be updated, and we're doing titer testing instead of getting vaccinations that would harm my pet. You don't have any alternative if you're in a situation like that, which I was with my Jasmine. She could not be vaccinated. She could not be around certain chemicals, any chemicals, honestly, any chemicals, and she couldn't have vaccinations. So if I were to go out of town, what, what option do I have? I do not have, I did not have the option to use a kennel because they require certain things. Whereas if you're dealing with a good professional, they should be able to understand. And coming into your home environment is the best thing because you're not over-vaccinating your pet. You're not giving them unnecessary, unmedically provided and suggested vaccinations to just have your pet go and still possibly get sick or be bullied by another pet or get injured and nobody know what to do. So you kind of need to think about some of these things when you're thinking about a kenneling situation versus a pet sitter. Pet sitters are going to cost a little bit more just because we have the proper training. A lot of the kennel situations, I know I've, I've worked at several of them before I purchased this business, did not get training in a lot of things. 
as a professional, I went above and beyond, got certain training. I have a ton of certifications. I've got the training to know that I can take the best care possible of your pets. So you just have to make the best possible decision for your own animal. Um, when we're talking about pet sitting, if you have a good professional, they should be able to guide you. And they should have a minimum for how many visits per day for the type of animal. And they should be in communication with you in case your pet is stressing or showing signs of illness. They should have a veterinary authorization that they can get your pet care and get that personalized care for your pet if you're out of town. They should know to say, okay, I might need to add on a next appointment or maybe you need overnight appointments because you have a puppy or you have an elderly pet and you want somebody to be there more often. A pet sitter can do that. Or sometimes if you're in a kenneling situation, your pet might need monitored throughout the night. What if they have seizures? If they are prone to seizures and are on medications for it, sometimes it's best to have a pet sitter that's able to come in, spend a little more time with your pet instead of a kenneling situation where they're watching over several other pets and might not notice if your pet is having a seizure. Or, worst case scenario, they don't have staff at the kennel 24 hours a day. They do not have staff there overnight. What if the building catches on fire? What's going to happen to your pet? What's going to happen to your pet if they have a medical situation throughout the night or they get harmed in their kennel or something happens? Nobody's going to know until they open up business the next day. So these are just different things that you need to think about, you need to talk about, you need to kind of figure out what is the best option for my pet. Who has the better ability to care for my pet and my pet's needs? I know that dealing with Jasmine, she had a condition called EPI. She could not have any type of treats. She had to have her food pre-digested for her before she was able to eat it. If the medication hit her mouth um, without it being pre-digested or, you know, firmnated, it could end up eating and burning the inside of her mouth, causing her not to want to eat, and it could cause other medical issues for her. So is the kennel attendant able to know that that food's got to sit there and process for up to 30 minutes? You can't just give the pet the medication. It's going to harm them. Do you know what signs to look for? Do you have time in a kenneling situation to let the food sit there for it to pre-digest, pre-process, and get through what it needs to do before my animal can have it? Or are you just going to rush things because you have a million other pets to take care of? You have 20 other pets that you got to feed and you got to take care of. These are situations you kind of need to think about. So sometimes you need to weigh cost versus quality. A lot of times people say you get what you pay for. And that is absolutely true. A lot of people do sometimes question pet sitters and say, hey, why do you guys charge so much? Well, we have the education. We're not a nine-to-five business. We're out all day long. We're there, and our main source of income to put food on our table to take care of us is taking care of your pets, and it is the income we have. And we put, for that, we put our education, we put our knowledge out there, and we make sure that we're doing what is best for your pet because this is our reputation. This is what keeps the lights on in our house. This is what feeds our own personal pets. Whereas a kenneling situation, they could just be hiring 
almost anybody because all they're sometimes worried about is just cleaning, is cleaning the facility, making sure the facility is clean. So you're not really playing with the animals, and that's sometimes what they advertise. So does that employee really care about what happens to your pet? It's not on them. It's not on them. But when you have a professional who is telling you and saying we're putting our money where our mouth is and this is what puts food on our table, they're going to provide a good service for you. And it's going to cost you a little bit more. We're also using our gas. We're using our time. Wear and tear on our cars. A lot of times people come to me and asking for last-minute appointments. I understand we live in the real world. Emergencies are one thing. But if you've known something about a wedding for a year and you're just letting me know three days beforehand, I might have had plans with my own family. I might have had some downtime that I can spend with my own animals. I can spend with my husband. So you need to have that little respect, too, that it is going to cost you a little bit more because I'm taking away time in my life to take care of your animal. So you always just need to be a voice for your animal. You need to figure out what is best. And you kind of need to weigh the options as to what is the best fit for you. Is it a kennel environment? Is it a pet sitter coming to the house? And you need to know the pros and cons of both and what is actually happening out here in the world. So make sure you're checking things out. Make sure you're getting a tour of a kenneling situation if that's the best option for you. Make sure you're getting a tour. Checking things out. Ask questions. Definitely ask as many questions as you possibly can because sometimes people can put on a front and make a nice presentation when you first go in, but that's not actually what's happening. What kind of education do they have? Do they understand how to handle this situation? Do they deal with vets on call? Do they ask the questions? Make sure your pet is safe in whatever environment you decide to put them in for a time you need away. So I hope this gives you a little insight and helps you make the best decision for your pet with this episode. And we hope to see you guys and hear from you next week.